Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It is time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Friday night, December the 14th, 2018. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Once again, we had connection issues that we both had to drop and try to come back on, so I must ask before we go any further, Jason, can you hear me? I can hear you. And I can hear you. How about that? Better than it was two minutes ago. Two minutes ago, I said, how you doing? And you said, I can't hear you. So, yes, this is much better. This is much better than the alternative. Hey, we've got that down now. It's like if I hear the music for the hold line to stop and it's just dead space, I know immediately to just be like, I can't hear you. (laughs) Right. And if if I say it one time, hey, can you hear me? And I hear nothing back, then obviously you can't hear me. So, right, so hey, yeah. we're here. We're ready to go. We, we get the uh, the Chinese scramble drill down after we figure that out. Which I don't know if I can say that anymore, but I just did. Oh. Uh, anyway, mm. Mm. The, we'll the have to run that by the fire test. drill. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get back to you on that. If we're not on next week, then you'll you'll know why. Uh, anyway, we're here to pick Week 15 in the NFL. The 2018 season winding its way down. You know the league is winding down when the Saturday games are on the schedule and they start trying to get those junkies that bet college football, trying to get them hooked on the, the NFL product. Hey, we've got some, some stuff over here. You want to come around the corner and check out what's in my jacket here. I, I got some stuff for you. I got some Saturday NFL football. I got two games for you that you can bet. Uh, never mind how the quality of the games. Never mind that they're uh, – sort of crap games, although one of them's kind of intriguing to me. Uh, but it's Saturday football coming up, so we got all 15 remaining games, the two Saturday games, the one Monday game, and all the other 12 games that are be on Sunday. Uh, but we started off last night, week 15, uh, what probably by record is one of, if not the best Thursday night matchups that you'll ever have with two double-digit win teams uh, as the Chargers visited the Chiefs. And the Chiefs dominated and led that game the entire way and had the spread covered and everything. And at the very last second, the Chargers somehow made it into the end zone to cover the spread and then decided to go for two, got that, got the upset victory straight up. Uh, But even before you were tweeting about it uh, earlier today, Jason, I really honestly was going to come on the show and start and, and say that the story of last night's game was not the crazy come from behind win by the LA Clippers. It was that referee shit show. It was that, that all pro ref show that you can't stand that. You you're just talking about how it's so bad. Some of these games that just there's yellow flags everywhere. It makes you want to turn the game off and just stop watching. And I honestly, God got that feeling last night. At one point I just wanted to just stop watching. I was like, I, I, I can pick this up the next day. Cause I don't, I just don't want to watch this anymore. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's 
it's really getting hard to watch. I now is I was <clears throat> at work today. You know, I had a lot of time to think about my loss from last night, uh, the manner of it, and I probably you know I didn't actually have real money on this. I mean, we do this for fun. We we do this because this is something we've been doing for. Jesus, I'm at the better part of 25 years plus. I was say, please stop counting. 30 years it's, almost, almost 30 this, years that we've been doing this. going to be so now. many years that we just don't even want to think about it anymore. And, and, and I honestly was walking around at work today, and I was watching some of the the recap shows, you know, and just, just general sports media that I have on the TVs when I'm at work. And I, I was honestly walking around, and I came to a point, I don't know, maybe 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like, you know – if I wasn't doing this show, I don't know how invested I'd be like in football. It, it, it's becoming such a, a chore, not, not the show, but the actual, like the watching of the games has become, there's there just so many things that have just been turn off after turn off. And I know the NFL is still riding high. It's still number one. They can, they can spin the total shit show that was that refereeing last night into the storyline of all the chargers and the big comeback. And they went for two and they made, there's enough that they can gloss over, but the bad officiating is just, it is really becoming hard to watch when they're becoming the stars of the show. And I mean, you basically had the, even the last drive, which wasn't all just, you know, screw the chiefs. I mean, the chiefs were playing buddy ball, all the way down the field um, with the Chargers. I mean, just headshots and the two of them, blatant headshots not called. I mean, it's getting so bad. The announcers are bagging on the refs and the bad calls. And they're like, well, okay, I, I guess that's, you know. And even these, these Mike Pereiras and guys that they bring in there are pretty much like, no, that, that, that should have been called. And then they make up for it with, with a complete – phantom pass interference call. Then they give the oh Chargers a touchdown where apparently half your ass now is all you need <laughs> to have it. You know, half a butt cheek is now enough to get you a touchdown. I mean, Calvin, tell Kelvin Johnson and Des Bryant that, that all you really needed to do was get half your ass down. And, and you too can score touchdowns in the NFL. Just, yeah, it, it's just sickening. And it not, not so much, you know, when one of us wins the pick and the other one loses the pick, you won the pick. And it's make and it was making you just like, bleh. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even. Uh, I'm, of course, I'm happy to win the pick, but that wasn't the big takeaway to me from last night. It was just all the terrible. You you nailed it. Some makeup calls because they knew they had fucked up some of the other calls earlier yeah. before that. Uh, you know it's bad. Which Troy Aikman really lives his whole life trying to avoid conflict with anybody. And even he's sitting up there, I, I don't know. I, I can't uh, – I don't know where they saw a, a penalty on that one. I don't know why they threw that flag. I, I'm really getting sick of some of these really bad uh, pass interference and, and some of these calls that you barely touch the guy in defensive holding. And it, it, it was so bad that they even the announcers had to start really ripping on them. And yeah. you, you know that's bad. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, because we have so much technology now, I don't know if officiating is worse – but with the sort of convolution of all these new rules and, you know, and you, you can't touch a guy pretty much after he gets off the line of scrimmage anymore and these flags are just flying and the league is mandating, they want all this offense. But on top of that, now you can slow everything down and you can truly show like that guy really didn't interfere or that really was a headshot or my, my favorite call 
going back three or four seasons now that they don't that they blow all the time are these blatant face masks where you can see a dude's head twisting sideways, but they won't call it. But if a if a, if a defensive lineman's fingers graze the helmet of the quarterback, they'll throw the flag. But if you, apparently if you just straight up headshot the dude um, with your own helmet, that that's okay for the most protected player on the field who's going down to the ground and the dude comes in and hits him helmet to helmet. That's all right. Let that go. Yeah, I can't defend some of the terrible, terrible officiating, particularly last night. The only thing I'll say is I don't know if refereeing has gotten worse, but I know it's gotten a hell of a lot more complicated with so oh, many different that's, that's, interpretations yeah. that the that the league says exactly. you have to look at it this way unless this happens, then you have to look at it that way. And it's just within five yards you can do this, but after five yards, but inside of one yard you can still do that, but outside of one, it, 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 I, I don't remember all of those different uh, permutations. It's uh, trying to figure out how what rule applies where and at what point of the of the field. But the feeling now that you're left with when there's a play that happens and it does and a flag isn't thrown, you're almost relieved. Right. You keep oh, watch, now. You have to oh, keep wow. watching every play for five seconds after it's yep. over because you're expecting a flag to come in, and right. that's that. That's not enjoyable for any no. fan. I, I can't imagine how that enhances the enjoyment of football at all. And usually the NFL will figure it out when it's something that clearly uh, sort of ruins or starts to ruin the fan experience. They'll remedy it. They'll find a way to change that. I don't know when it's going to get to the point where they decide they have to do something, but they have to to do something. There there cannot be this many flags. They're they're almost penalizing. uh, They're almost throwing a flag every single play. And that's absolutely not acceptable. Yeah, you can't run back a kick or a punt without a block in the back or a hold. Um, every time there's an incomplete pass, somebody's looking for a flag. I mean, you're just waiting for the little red, the little yellow box to appear. Every time a quarterback gets sacked, you're waiting for a flag because it's going to be some type of a roughness. And yeah, it it, it, has, it has truly started to dominate the game, and it's doing it in these big prime time spots too. And it's it's. This is going to carry over into the playoffs. This is going to be a tough, tough watch for the playoffs if it, if this carries over into a Super Bowl. You know, where they're probably just going to let them play anyways, because that's the tendency. Yeah, I you think know, this is just gonna, a bad crew last night. I, I really do. Yeah, but we've had a lot of bad crews. This yeah. Year. <laughs> there used to just be like a handful of crews you knew were going to be shitty. Like you could always be counted on. Like you knew Walt Coleman was going to go out there and just it was going to be bad or, you know, but now it's like, they're all bad. I certainly won't go over every call that I didn't like from last night, but there was the, the chiefs drive for their fourth touchdown that put them up 2014. And I assumed that was going to put it away. Uh, That particular drive had Justin Jones, barely grabbing Mahomes' face mask, barely touching it. And that was flagged Uh, the very lightest uh, defensive holding on third down, extending a drive, uh, another very Always light on third down. defensive Only holding. Only on third down. Yeah, that's how uh, how interesting is that, that those, those light defensive holdings only seem to happen on third down. They don't seem to ever happen on first and second down. Uh, there was another one. Uh, uh, There's an illegal shift uh, that erased a, a bruising run by Damian Williams, so that backed the Chiefs back up. And then they 
went and threw another flag for another light defensive holding to sort of make up for that call to keep the drive going for the Chiefs, and then eventually they got the the touchdown run. Uh, it, it was bullshit. It, it, that's that's all you can say is it was just straight bullshit. Uh, they came back and had some makeup calls for the Chargers on their uh, drives where they were making their comeback and wound up winning the game. So they're trying to even it out. And then on the touchdown that the the Chargers got to uh, to wind up covering the spread to lead to them winning the game. Uh, Mike Williams, uh, after all those flags that were thrown, no flag on the throw in which he may have pushed off to get open. Uh, and he also may have bobbled the ball to score, but they reviewed it and decided that it was okay. And it was, it was so strange. Like, why are you looking at every little minute thing and throwing a flag on that, that, and that, and that, but on some of these plays that are obvious and, and the, the, like you were saying, there were some shots out there that easily could have been called for uh, helmet initiating yep. contact that were overlooked. Like that, that's the, probably the worst part of it is if all the flags are legitimate, you can go back and look and see, Oh, there's a, a reason for that. And a reason for that. And okay. It's, it's bad, but it's still, at least there were actual reasons for each and every flag. Some of these flags, there were no reason for it. And then other shots that there should have been, there could have been a flag. There were no flags thrown. That, that that's the worst part is the inconsistency of it all. Yeah. So yeah, take take my lumps and man, my Thursday nights this year have just been the worst. Well, I was feeling really that, good about that one for fifty five minutes. <laughs> right. I, I'm not giving it back, but it shouldn't count. It honestly shouldn't. That yeah. that game last <laughs> night was such that's bullshit. It's just. That's all I can say. It was bullshit. And, and, and also kind of, you know, highlight the whole point was that for, you know, the Chiefs defense had only given up two touchdowns for three plus three and a half quarters. That Chiefs defense was was looking better. It was. It was looking better. The one the bit of credit that I'll definitely give the Chargers to is the second half adjustment of committing back to the run game and and that managed to blunt the Chiefs' pass rush, which was killing Phillip Rivers and disrupting yeah. everything that the that the Chargers are trying to do in the first half by going to uh, who's this kid Justin Jackson um, and, and he had some some real hard runs and looked really good out there and they really committed to that. They scored uh, the second touchdown of the game for the Chargers was actually Mike Williams on a misdirection toss run, so they were just oh, we're just going to run it. Okay, you're, you're coming and killing us, D. Ford and, uh, and and all the Chiefs. I have to remember uh, exactly Jones, which Chiefs. Right? Another, oh my another ten, Two and a half sacks, ten, 10 straight games with a sack now. What a game he had. I have to remember exactly which Chiefs did what. I don't want to name Chiefs that weren't actually playing and were inactive because then I'll be screaming a Smith telling yep. you to look out for guys that are not actually playing in the game. And I wouldn't want to do that. How many fucking by the way, just complete sidebar. How many fucking millions of dollars is this guy making and he's sitting there telling you to look out for guys who are hurt in the upcoming oh, game? Yeah. Or yeah, Hunter cut? Henry and Derek Derek Johnson really Derek have Johnson's a big impact. On the team. And, yeah, um, Hunter Henry's hurt for the year. In, in what world is that guy allowed to keep his job that he's sitting there telling you it, it, you're supposed to be relying on this guy for news but he meant Virgil Green. It, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's so, so easy to confuse what he meant. the guys. Yeah. That's uh-huh. what he meant. Did, 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 I like the, I meant Virgil Green, but what about <laughs> Derek Johnson? 
Uh, did he address that or no? I, I, I haven't. No, up with any no, of, that was uh, the. Yeah, he he said he met Virgil Green and that he was busy and he was preoccupied and. You know, I'm sorry for making a mistake. You know, oh. he, he didn't give the check back that he made for that show being busy and preoccupied. I bet you that much. No, no, but he 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 has been getting thoroughly lambasted, though. You know, not, not the, enough. The screenshot, the screenshot of Teddy Bruschi and Max Kellerman is gold. Their mouths just agape. Where like, where Teddy Bruschi's head is kind of tilted to the side, and Max Kellerman looks <laughs> constipated. Like what? What are we watching? What are we yeah. talking like, about? Like, they, you couldn't just believe, like, did, like it was almost like Teddy Bruschi had this, like, head tilt, like, snap head tilt thing. Like, did I just hear that right? Yeah. And that's hey, what? The, the reaction you're supposed to have. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did the brother just say? Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, so that, that, was a, that was perfect. The, the perfect analysis before a perfect shitstorm of a game because of the referees. And, and yeah, yeah that, that all just kind of goes together. <sighs> well, I I guess I'm ready for week 15. I guess. I guess we. Uh, yeah. I, I got a couple. Got a couple uh, Christmas presents uh, to give out. I got a present for you, and I got a present for our caller, oh. uh, Naj in Atlanta. So we'll we'll get to that in the course of uh, making our picks here. After I tell all of you that you're listening to BlogTalkRadio.com/slash in much less detail. That's the website to come to to listen to our show live, which would be. One hour tonight and two hours next Thursday night. So get ready for big football party for next Thursday. Uh, communicate with the show several different ways. You can email us. Send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. Jason's on Twitter at IMLDJTG. I'm at IMLDDre. Uh, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, TuneIn, Mixcloud, Player.fm, Blueberry, uh, et cetera, et cetera, many different Podcasting apps, Pod uh, Paradise, Castbox, Pod Chaser. I'd love to give love to all of our guys that provide our content, but there's so many of them I can't keep counting. There's probably others that I'm not even aware of yet. Uh, keep up with all of our picks on our blog, and the blog site is in much less detail. Blogspot.com. That's where all our picks will be listed after the show is over. Uh, and with that, we're about to get ready for. Making our picks for week 15, the rest of week 15's picks in the NFL. But first, I have to give you your early Christmas present first. I do always try to give credit when you do talk about something and, and do something that is, is talked about by other shows or other places. And I, oh. you know, we always had the, the inside joke oh, those, those guys are listening oh, to the show. They, yeah, yeah. yeah the Russians they were right. copying us or something like that. Russians were so, listening to us back in the 90s. Tapping our phones, absolutely. Yeah. So, you were uh, bringing up the return of Eric Berry for the Kansas City Chiefs and how he might play a role uh, similar to what Bob Sanders did back for the Colts uh, many years ago when he came back oh. and had a nice run, uh, shoring up that run defense. And that was sort of a random grab out of nowhere. I thought I was like, but it, it, it made sense. I agreed with it absolutely. But just you know, showing your recall and, and your football acumen there, so I was kind of impressed by that. And then. Lo and behold, I'm sitting there listening to the Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson uh, of the Pro Football Focus podcast today, and they're making their uh, predictions and picks for that Chiefs-Chargers game from last night, and listen to what Steve Palazzolo had to say about that game. 
But they have Eric Berry coming back, and you weren't on the pod son, uh, Monday, but we talked about Eric Berry maybe being the Bob Sanders, the 2006 Colts Bob Sanders for this Chiefs defense. <laughs> he comes back, the defense is a little wishy-washy, but boom, one guy changes the whole thing. I think Eric Berry is changing the game for this, cha- for this Chiefs defense. Dude! I'm ahead of my time. Dude! Like, he quoted you, basically. My goodness. Well, people do well. listen to this show. We don't know who, <laughs> but we do know that somebody listens to this show. That's all I'm going to say. I, we can't prove anything, but all I'm going to say is we don't. We see the statistics. Our listenership is not zero. <laughs> it's not Naj in Atlanta <laughs> and us. <laughs> so somebody clearly listens to our show. People More click on one. this show, they listen to it. But no, that was almost verbatim. <laughs> Serious. What I what I pretty much pulled out of thin air on our show on Wednesday night. So, hey, all I know is, hey, guess what? I said it first. Yeah, you. I'm I'm jealous. You got a, a future with uh, PFF down the road, apparently, if you want it. I I was uh, I was on the Merga thing comparing Gruden to Trump <laughs> weeks before <laughs> Colin Coward was doing it on his show. So he always got a little Trump go. in him, you know. So. Uh-huh. You're all over it. So Someone's crack production staff must be listening in on this show, getting all the good, getting the goods. All right, so get ready, folks, to listen to some more of the uh, pontifications and geniusness that Jason will be bringing your way, and I'll be making get my, my ass kicked in the picks this year. But I'm <laughs> a man ahead of my time. All right, uh, back to our format that we've been doing most recently, which is eschewing some highlight games and just going straight down the list. And seeing what we like and what we don't like and what we want to talk about and what we'll just give a couple of seconds to. Let's get started with those Saturday contests. We have football tomorrow, so the warming That's up crazy. for when you got uh, when you got the playoffs and you got football on Saturday. And you, oh yeah, there's games. Yeah, a little extra bonus, a little extra treat. I don't know if anyone considers the New York Jets any kind of extra treat, but that's the first game uh, tomorrow afternoon. Is the Houston Texans visiting? The New York Jets and the nine and four Texans are coming off that big win streak, but they got it broken last week. But they're still seven point favorites on the road at the four and nine New York Jets. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take the. Uh, I'm oh sorry, my computer fire blocked up on me there for a second. I thought something was gonna happen bad. No, um, no, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take the uh, the Texans here. I, I really don't like the Jets here at home. Um, you know, that, that rookie quarterback of theirs, yeah, this is not a good spot here. I am a little worried about Bart Scott getting after David Carr in this game, though. <laughs> that is really a highlight area for me that I I don't know. I know Bart can't ever wait. He just can't wait, right? He can't <laughs> wait to play. So that does scare me a little bit. Um, you know, the quarterback might be under can't a little wait. bit of pressure. Yeah, he might be under a little bit of pressure from that Jets defense. But I, th- I think that the Texans are going to be able to – I think they're on a roll here. They got that winning streak interrupted. Uh, I still think, you know, it all of a sudden it's like they lost a game and now everybody thinks they're crap again. Now it's the Chargers or the team. I am still loving the Houston Texans as one of these dark horse teams to come out of the AFC. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But uh, they may be they, – they, they keep this up. They may be influencing my playoff picks. I'm going to take the Texans, give the seven. I, I concur. I think I like uh, Jermaine Lewis to go deep on a couple of long touchdown passes, maybe a special teamer uh, as well. 
Um, I, uh, I, the only reason I remember Jermaine Lewis as a former Texan is because he uh, the the opening game for the franchise for the Texans they were hosting the Cowboys on a Sunday night. I remember this very vividly because I had Jermaine Lewis on my fantasy team, and he got loose for what would have been a fifty some odd yard long bomb touchdown. He was wide open, just flat dropped the ball. Dropped just it. Yeah. Flat out dropped. You always it. got screwed on those deep bombs in fantasy because you also had Joe Horn that year when the ref blocked him from the end zone. <laughs> no joke. That was your guy. Oh. Uh, I, I, there was something else too. Was uh, someone on the uh, that was playing against the Steelers was coming down the sideline and Mike Tomlin was like arguing a call or he wanted to hold or something on a special teams play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he and steps out on the field and basically trips the guy and he had nobody in front of him. He's going to score a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, the I, guy to basically had like some coach in, on a, on sportsman like conduct on the bench. Oh yeah. I, I got so many of those stories. It's, it's not even funny. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, no, I, I concur. I, I said about uh, Houston last week and their loss, what worried me about them in the future was that back end, that secondary uh, getting lit up when the front end doesn't do its job and get to the quarterback. If you can protect and, and defend against J.J. Watt and the company coming to get you, then you can really light them up. Uh, not only can Sam Darnold not light up the back end of the Houston Texans, but they can't protect all that well. So I think Houston is going to get after Darnold and, and make some hay and cover that seven point spread. So I'm with you on that one. And then Saturday night football will be, I think this is actually somewhat intriguing. It's the five, seven and one Cleveland Browns and the six and seven Denver Broncos. And technically both teams are actually still in the hunt. They, they're still in the playoff. Yeah. Hunt. So the Browns uh, so, need like a miracle though. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But, but they're still in it in week 15. They're still in the playoff. But I never, would have thought that. So that's another good call by you that you had them going again about five or six wins, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Uh, for this game, they are two and a half point dogs at the Broncos. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I, you know, here's the thing: is that the Broncos? I need the Broncos to be able to start leaning on that running game and trusting that running game. I mean, they have that great rookie running back in Noshawn Moreno. I think he's <laughs> capable of having a great game. <laughs> but I just don't see it happening um, in this game. You know, I think Baker Mayfield's been making some nice, he's going to be able to like, I think take some things over the top. Webster slaughter is probably going to be open a whole lot in this game. Um, but you know, there's always that danger that uh, Bill Romanowski is going to come in and get that sack. Cause he is that dominant linebacker on that Denver D, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Cleveland here. Cause I don't think Denver is smart enough to pound the football at the Cleveland Browns. And Baker Mayfield, since they fired uh, the coach, has been like one of the top rated, if not the best quarterback in football. It's pretty stunning. So give me the brownies here. You're not afraid of that kid, Tim Couch, making some big plays for the Browns? He's the number one draft pick, you know. Um, no, this is a sneaky, interesting game. Uh, you talked about Mayfield. He's been performing. Uh, he gets to Denver defense, which would be a, a little tougher test. Uh, and you definitely touched on the running back situation that kid Philip Lindsay, but actually both these teams have some explosive running games going. The Browns have been doing it on the ground too. Nick Chubb has gotten his chance to, to shine and he's looked very good. So uh, even match up there, um, I, what I'm going to rely on is uh, Denzel Ward, the rookie cornerback for Cleveland, who's been such a, a nightmare matching up against 
the best wide receiver on each team, he's out. And I think that's going to open things up for Cortland Finnegan. And uh, I think uh, Denver's actually probably shouldn't rely on their passing more than their running. I think their running game is much more talented than what Case Keenum has done for them. But I, I bet they get some success through the air. Uh, and, and I think they're going to beat the, the Cleveland Browns and cover the two-and-a-half point spread. And finally, in the national nightmare and put the Browns out of playoff contention, which is, it, we can all sleep better <laughs> tomorrow night after that happens. Put them to bed. On the Sunday. On the Sunday football, we'll start up in the Windy City where we're both from. And it'll be the Packers-Bears rematch, of course, of that week one game where Aaron Rodgers got his knee disintegrated and somehow made it back on the field and still beat the Bears, who were dominating game on defense. And somehow Aaron Rodgers still won. Uh, this is a different Packers team, and this is a different Bears team than, than back then. So as a result, the Five, seven, and one Packers are five and a half point dogs. I can't remember how the last time they've been this big of an underdog in yeah. Chicago. Uh, at yeah, and nine, nine and four Bears. This one's really interesting to me because you've got the two angles. You've got the angle of Rodgers gets hurt, right? Comes back, beats the beats the Bears on one leg, rubs it in their faces, basically. And then you've got, you know, how are the Bears going to come back from that? Are they going to come back? Are they going to be mad? Um, are they going to be, you know, or, but, or is this, is this like an ownership scenario? Kind of like what we had with the Dolphins last week or what we could possibly have potentially what we're finding out through all the stats of with this week with like the, the Steelers and the, and the Patriots, like no matter what, somebody just seems to have ownership, you know, over the other team. So, it's going to be really interesting, you know, to, to see if it's going to come down to the quarterback. The smart thing to do would be to give the ball to Amon Green 30 times, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and keep the ball away from PT Willis and that bears offense, you know, try to grind this thing down. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to actually going to take the Packers and the points. I'm not that, I'm not that crazy about this pick. I've been kind of going back and forth on this one all week, but, uh, there's a moment where I was like, I'm going to take the Bears, but it feels like it could be close. I still think Rodgers has that sort of ownership. He just, this is, it's the muscle memory. He owns the Bears and he knows he owns the Bears. They they tried to kill him and they couldn't do it. Um, and I think you kind of got that new look Packers offense a little bit last week against Atlanta. I wouldn't be shocked if they won the game. He is Iron Man. They tried to put him down, and he stood back up. Um, that is, that's absolutely the question of the game. Can Rodgers carve up the Chicago defense again, or will the Bears exact revenge and do what they should have done and put him down the first time? Uh, and the reason I'm going to lean on the Chicago side is probably more than anything because I'm a Bears fan. But objectively, after that, I'm going with Green Bay has still yet to find a way to win a game on the road. They're 0-6, and I think the Bears' defense is such that they should tamp them down and put them at 0-7. Uh, and also, the right tackle for the Packers, Brian Bulaga. He's out of the game, and I think you strip that kind of weapon away from Aaron Rodgers' protection and against Khalil Mack and company, who know what happened the last time that they let Rodgers get, get a breath and get back up. I don't think they're going to let him get a breath this time. I think they're going to come for Aaron Rodgers all day long, and I think they're going to get the win. 
Arizona and Atlanta, the three and two uh, Arizona Cardinals, uh, the white mouse again. Uh, don't believe in them, folks. Uh, Ten point underdogs <laughs> at the four and nine Atlanta Falcons. This is the, this is the perfect spot though for the Falcons to just shit the bed. This is what this is what they do. This is what as a, as a fan of this team for most of my life, I can tell you that these are the kinds of spots as the, they're not very good themselves. And they're a big favorite against a really bad team with like a rookie quarterback team. That's like DFL and like all the offensive categories. So yeah, Arizona's going to go down there and win the damn game. That's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. Carson Palmer's going to shred them. Uh, that, that, that defense is going to be able to get past Bill Fralick and get to Matt Ryan and put him down. Real easy to get past Bill Fralick. Yeah. Real easy to do that. Real easy. I think I can do that now. I think. <laughs> God, we're terrible. I'm. Yeah, by the way, I'm doing this for every game. <laughs> this is my Stephen A. Smith honorary episode of the podcast. I actually have notes of every team <laughs> and players. So if you haven't figured this out yet, I am well prepared. You have been warned. You're sick of the bit too bad because he's doing it every game. The part yeah, of I, the I, bit is that I'm not stopping. That's part of the bit. <laughs> I'm all for it because it livens it up, keeps it interesting. Um, I, I don't have the the mental wherewithal to come up with former players for each game like that. So that, that's all you. That is your bit completely. You you got that. Um, I'm laughing because I completely concur that uh, that we're, we're both going to have the white mouse drop for both of us if this doesn't come through. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to take the, yeah. the Cardinals to go in and have some fun with that Falcons beat-up defense. And uh, yeah. I think David Johnson has a, a chance to run for a lot of yards because Atlanta is still giving it up on the ground. And uh, I think that that's how they're going to win. I don't think it's going to Hello. Oh. Can you hear me? Yeah, I uh, got the uh, got the old fashioned little doo doo doo, and that was it. Yeah, that was uh, on my end. It was uh, the the host line hanging up and disconnecting. So that's something that was a problem with me. So I, I called back in on my own guest line through the computer. So that's how you're ah. hearing me right now. Okay. Well, little little. Uh, apparently, we uh, not only have pissed off the Russians, we've pissed <laughs> off Stephen A. Smith. I can't believe those people are making fun of me. I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna disconnect their whole damn show. Okay, they're awful. All right. All right, so we're back on, and where do we leave off? We had the Atlanta-Arizona pick, and now we're going to move on to Lions and the Bills are playing in one of those games that nobody should care about because the Lions are 5-8 and eight and the Bills are 4-9. and nine. Uh, Detroit is a two-and-a-half-point underdog at the Bills. Yeah, I like the I like the Bills here at home. I think Josh Allen's been a better quarterback at home. The Lions, yeah, the they beat they they went to Arizona and they won. I guess we should all be be really excited about that. Huh? I mean, it's, uh, 
you know, on the Bills defense, uh, we'll be going in the last week, number two in the league. So, yeah, I, I completely think Cornelius Bennett gets an Eric Kramer's face all game. You're going to get us disconnected again, man. You're still oh, pissing man. them off. <laughs> Screaming A is not going to leave us alone. Uh, this is where uh, my Christmas gift comes in for Naj in Atlanta, uh, who was comparing uh, the project uh, Josh Allen to Cam Newton a couple shows ago. And later on in that very same PFF podcast, this is what uh, Steve Palazzolo, Palazzolo, I'll get his name right, and Sam Monson had to say about that. The full Josh Allen experience the last couple weeks here, Sam. Going from team of the week quarterback to bad again. Yeah. Despite rushing for 101 yards, I mean he's just all over the place right now. Drop my pen. Nice. nice. He's just all over the place right now. Yeah. Um, last, I mean he's much like Lamar, pretty much what we expected, minus how much he's done on the ground. Right. He's got he, the most rushing yards of any quarterback right now. He's a little bit like Cam Newton in terms of when you look at a guy. When I look at a guy like that in college, nicely done. Um, you look at him and you say, there's no way that translates to the next level where the athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. Those guys don't. Anyone getting by on athletic talent in college is not really going to get it done at the next level because mm-hmm. it's harder. Um, I, that's true to a point. There is apparently a point of athlete where you're so freaky that you can still get that done. Now, I think I definitely made that mistake with Cam Newton because you look at him now. I mean, I can't remember who it was. Chased him out of bounds last week. Um, I did you know, a, a defensive end, and they're walking back onto the field. Like, Cam Newton is bigger than oh, that he's guy. A monster. He's a monster. And he's definitely faster and more athletic. Like, right. he's huge. And Josh Allen is kind of the same, right? Dude. Jeez, we, we're just nailing all these comparisons here. So, uh, I don't know if it's them listening or we're just reveling in our own geniusness or what, but uh, congratulations to you and Nas for – uh, pointing out stuff that PFF guys are all over. Nicely done. Um, yeah. As, as for this. What's interesting for me is what's your face? What's your reaction as you're listening to that podcast? Oh, man. I'm, it's, like, it's, like you're, it's like you're listening to our show. I'm sitting there listening to this at work, and I'm just like out loud. I'm like, dude. Repeating exactly what they're saying, that dude, and I'm scrambling to grab a piece of scrap paper to to jot down so I can remember when I get home. Uh, what did I write down? PFF pod reference Bob Sanders exclamation point. <laughs> well, and on, then, a, on a technical side here, on a technical note on the show, you you might be interested to know I have no internet right now. Wow. Oh. So, I, that's really weird because I just know that our getting disconnected was because of me because it uh, my little yeah. box uh, that I have up when I'm hosting a show was disconnected and it says yeah. start your call now which I, I'm like I'm ready um, so I don't know maybe uh, maybe we both got chopped at the same time or maybe when you lost internet that that chopped me off somehow I, I don't know yeah I really as don't I'm know. sitting here as I'm sitting here looking at the uh, Looking at my computer, I've got a little little error symbol now, and just says no internet access. Okay, Stephen, we apologize. We didn't mean to go in like that. I, I don't know. I didn't know you were that sensitive. I really didn't. I should have known you were that sensitive because you're a little pussy. But but I'm sorry. I, we, we didn't know that it was going to piss you off like that. Uh, anyway, 
Back to the pick. I agree so much with the uh, comparison about Josh Allen, the project, uh, and the Cam Newton comparison. And uh, he's obviously got a lot more playmaking skills than I gave him credit for. And he's playing a Lions team that seems to have given up. And uh, however bad Allen has been looking throwing the ball, he's not looking at much worse than Matthew Stafford lately. Matthew Stafford's not being able to throw the ball hardly at all. He's popping up on injury reports and whatnot. So obviously he's starting to break down a little bit. I agree with all of that so much. I'm actually locking up the Buffalo Bills as my lock of the week because they're only given two and a half, and if they win by a field goal, that still wins me the lock. So go Bills. That's right. All right. Uh, probably have to go more rapid fire on the rest of these with our little connection issues. Uh, Oakland and Cincinnati, we can definitely go rapid fire on that. The 3-10 and 10 Raiders uh, are three-point underdogs, the cop-out line at the 5-8 and eight Bengals. Yeah, this is uh, – oh, boy, it's hard for me to think that I'm going to be picking the, the the backup quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. But, oh, oh guy after the – but, hey, he, he equipped himself okay against the Chargers last week. I'm going to go ahead. I am going to take the Cincinnati Bengals here over the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to be kind of a cool pick for people after their little run of success, but they go on the road, they lose this game. Bo Jackson's not enough. I'm, I'm trying to quickly on my feet think of a backup quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, but I can't think of it. Was Bubby Brister a backup for the Bengals, or was that a different franchise? Bubby, I'm a, Bubby Brister was a backup for the uh, Steelers. Steelers. Yeah. See, I told you I couldn't think uh, fast on my feet. Uh, anyway, uh, I concur. Uh, Oak. Oakland's awful, and you know how I feel about Murga. So, yeah, I'll just concur and move on. Uh, Miami and Minnesota is a, a tight game as far as two teams that are in playoff contention uh, still. The Dolphins at 7-6 and six and the Vikings at 6-6-1. Six, six and one. However, once again, the year-long disrespect of the Dolphins continues by Vegas because Miami is a seven-and-a-half-point dog at the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, well – Again, though, Minnesota will excel because this wouldn't be a quote-unquote signature win. <laughs> so I think Minnesota wins the game. they, they got to take some of the pressure off of Kirk Cousins, you know, turn around, give it to Robert Smith, let him do some damage um, on the ground and, and shorten up this game. But I think for that reason, that keeps it in the, under the seven and a half. So I like the Vikings to bounce back with a win but Miami to cover the number. Love that one. Miami with the hook. Uh, Their best cornerback, uh, Xavier Howard, once again will be missing for this game. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Seattle really getting after Kirk Cousins on Monday night and just made him look awful. And the Dolphins don't have what it takes to really get after Kirk Cousins pressure-wise and make him look awful. So I'm going to look at Miami and their 1-5 record on the road. I don't know why they're so terrible on the road and so good at home this year. Uh, and, my, and Minnesota 4-2 and two at home. And I'm going to take Minnesota and Kirk Cousins to have a, a bounce-back performance. And Kirk's going to look like a big hero again um, and throw for 300 yards and look like a, a big-time $80 million quarterback and cover the 7.5-point number uh, because he's playing an opponent that will let him do that. <laughs> and when he plays an opponent that won't let him do that, then he looks like crap. Uh, the Redskins and the Jaguars in a, another crap game. Uh, this is uh, Josh Johnson 
now. Go get him, Josh, uh, as the starting quarterback for the Redskins. They just keep losing players and just keep leaking guys left and right. They are also seven-and-a-half-point underdogs at the 4-9 Jaguars. Yeah, for the sake of brevity, I had names picked out for this game, but I'm just going to go ahead and say I don't care who (laughs) the Washington Redskins run out there at quarterback the rest of the year. I am not picking them, whether it's Mark Sanchez or Josh Johnson. I don't care who the hell it is. I'm taking the Jaguars. Give them all. Again, we got to figure out, do the Jaguars care? We thought we had it figured out. They they seem to care when they shut out the Colts a couple weeks ago, and then they had that outing against the Titans on Thursday night. That looked like anything but a team that cares. So you get the 10-day layoff, and you come back from that and see if they can bounce back against Josh Johnson and the rest of them. They should. Uh, they're talented enough. We obviously both love them. We had them in the Super Bowl, both of us. Uh, a long, long time ago, apparently. It feels like a long time ago. But, yeah, I'll I'll concur and, and take the Jags and give uh, the seven and a half. I also had to dig dig real deep to try to get an angle on this game and figure out which way I want us to go. So you ready for something even more obscure than what I normally come out with? The Jaguars had their bye week in week nine this year. The Redskins had theirs all the way back in week four. Now, it doesn't mean that when you have an early bye that your team is going to just break down piece by piece like this. But this year, the Redskins are breaking down piece by piece. I don't think anyone can deny that. And maybe having the early bye has something to do with it. And now you have to go play a physical Jacksonville defense. I don't, I don't think it's a, with a third string or fourth string quarterback. I don't think it's going to go well uh, for the Redskins. So uh, next week, are you going to be using like the horoscope or something? My Ouija board will give me my picks next week, and you will respect my Ouija board. Yeah, I'm just going to get the old magic eight ball, you know, and you shake do it what up. what you got to do. All signs point to Jacksonville. Okay. Here's a what should be a good contest, the Cowboys and the Colts. Dallas at eight and five, looking to wrap up the NFC East with a victory. Uh, three-point cop-out line, road uh, underdogs at the 7-6 and six Indianapolis Colts. Hey, you know, and the Colts, the Colts are kind of a cool pick this week, but I hate to say it, but I'm sort of going with the trend. I actually like the Colts here. I think the Cowboys are due for a letdown after the big spot that they just, you know, that they just came off of and, and riding as high as they are. And they beat the Saints and they beat the Eagles and it's just – they're rolling, and now they're getting all this run that they're going to be this amazing team, and they they got this big chance now that they could come out of the NFC because all we care about is what happens over the last week or the last two weeks in the NFL. But, you know, Houston can win nine games in a row, and nobody cares. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I actually I like Andrew Luck and the Colts here in this spot at home. I think they're, I hate to say it, but they're a little bit more desperate team being that they're still on the outside looking in. And they, they've been, you know, we, we – can't discount the fact that they were a one in five team that is now seven and six. That that's not bad. I mean that that that's that's there. There's some recency there for you. So I think Andrew Luck and the Colts are gonna win a low scoring game. Well, it's uh, a question of which Dak Prescott is going to show up, and it certainly would seem to be due that the the bad Dak would take over and show yeah. up. He's been very very good ever since the Amari Cooper acquisition. I tell you what, in the war of attrition that the NFL uh, normally turns out to be, the big one to me in this game is T.Y. Hilton. He's banged up. He has not looked quite the same for the last couple of weeks. I know he got loose for a couple big catches 
uh, in their most recent game, but he's he's not himself. He's he's certainly not a hundred percent. He's uh, possibly a game time decision for this game. He probably still play, but he might play, you know play at that sort of eighty percent level that he looked like he was playing in the last game. Uh, he should not at his state outperform what Amari Cooper has been doing. Amari Cooper has almost been like he's got a, a new season starting over. Like he didn't even play the first four or five weeks with Oakland because that's how little he was being used. So he's nice and fresh and and really evenly matched game to me that the star receiver for one team is much fresher and much healthier than the other team's star receiver. And on that uh, angle alone, I'm going to go with the Cowboys plus the three points uh, actually to go in and get the win and knock off the Colts. On to – Tampa Bay and Baltimore with uh, the rookie quarterback Lamar Jackson uh, still at the helm for for the Reds uh, for the Ravens rather uh, you and everyone else said he was going to stay in there once Joe Flacco was healthy that certainly appears to be what has happened uh, the five and eight Buccaneers uh, here's another hook seven and a half point underdogs at the seven and six Ravens yeah I like the Ravens here I know this is the number one offense in football or at least it had been up until recently it may still be. But what we're seeing this year, the trend is, is that when it all comes down to it, the elite defense will win out over the elite offense. And let's be real, this this sort of like back and forth, sort of jerking back and forth, yin and yang with the quarterbacks, you know, here with Testaverde and Dilfer that the uh, that the Bucks have been doing this year. You know, you're just due for one of those terrible games from that position. Someone's going to throw four picks. This feels like one of those games. I mean, Ed Reed is going to get get fat back there, so I, I think it's going to be all right here. I'm going to take Baltimore and the and the defense to win out over the just all only offense team. It doesn't play a lot of defense in Tampa. I totally concur on this one. Uh, it is a Styles clash with uh, they're still the number one pass offense in football, Tampa Bay, and they're probably going to finish there because that's really all they can do. They can't really run very much um, against the number three right now passing defense uh, in the Baltimore Ravens, and that's actually uh, a little bit of a step down from what they have been doing, but they're still uh, elite by my terms, by my terms being six and a half yards or less allowed on your pass defense, and the Ravens are only giving up 6.2 on the season, so Definitely a, a game to keep your eye on to see which entity wins out. I have the Ravens defense winning out there at home, first of all, uh, and Tampa's uh, missing one of the bigger explosive weapons from the beginning of the year that, that helped propel them to number one, Deshaun Jackson. And he seems to have that kind of career now that he's so old that he's going to jump out in the first game or two or three of the season and really have a, a big impact. And then as the year goes on, he just completely winds down and grinds to a halt. And now he's not even on the field anymore. So, uh, and also it's another defense for Lamar Jackson to run through. I have been noticing this stat wise. And I heard this on a, on a podcast as well, that this great success that Lamar Jackson has been having has all come against very limited subpar run defenses that allow him to, sort of paper over his throwing mistakes or his reads that, you know, one read and go, uh, which looks like he's he's not, maybe not exactly that kind of quarterback, but he's had that, had those moments sometimes where he looks like he's looked at one guy and he was covered and said, okay, I'm just going to run. 
he's got a lot of bad run defenses that he's had success against to make him look maybe a little better than he actually is. And here's another one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers give up 4.8 yards per carry. So I, I got Lamar Jackson to run for another probably 100 yards and help uh, lead the Ravens to a big victory on the ground. Uh, on to the Titans and the Giants. Uh, what in the world to make of the New York Giants, who seem to be playing much better now that they have no chance of making the playoffs? The seven and six winning ugly Titans, one point favorites on the road at the five and eight Giants. Yeah, I think the Titans continue their winning ugly here, and they go to New York and, and they get the win. Odell Beckham's looking like he's not going to play. We all know what kind of quarterback. Eli Manning turns into when he's not around. So this is going to have to be a whole lot of Saquon Barkley in this game for them to have any chance. Unless Eli's going to try to, like, find Mark Bavaro over the middle a few times, you know, maybe that's going to work. Um, you know, Tennessee got, what, 243 yards, I believe it was, on the ground in their last game from Mike Rozier. I, so I expect him to continue. Like, like, he was rested and healthy all year. So he's completely ready to go. Uh, maybe they were saving him in reserve, you know, all this Deion Lewis stuff so they could get Rozier going. So I really like the Titans in this one uh, to continue that playoff push. Because the Earl Campbell reference would have been too obvious. So you go Mike Rozier, very nicely done. Thank you. Um, I, uh, the, the Giants are just beasting, man, uh, ever since uh, they, they pretty much got eliminated. Uh, Odell didn't play last week. That was a late scratch situation where we had our Friday show, but I'm, I'm always afraid of uh, Saturday news coming out where guys, uh, I didn't even know Odell Beckham was in danger of missing that game. And it just comes out Saturday. Oh, Odell Beckham's out just completely out. And I'm like, uh, I was actually a little afraid of that. Like I was uh, briefly considering changing my pig, but thankfully I didn't because the Giants just destroyed their opponent. And I'm going to take the Giants again with no, with no Odell Beckham. I think Eli probably is a little more relaxed when Odell Beckham's not out there because he doesn't have to worry about a crazy motherfucker with blonde hair screaming at him and, and trying to kick uh, kicking nets over and, and whatnot. Uh, so probably all for the good. And Saquon Barkley has been getting better and better as the year goes on. He had a lot of those sort of Barry Sanders runs early where he was trying to bounce everything outside and, and wasn't trying to – just take what was there. He was trying to make every play a spectacular play. And I think he's learned to, you know, take what's there. And, you know, sometimes you have to take two yards and, and live for the next play. Uh, so he's, he's improving and maturing as a player. And then I think he's going to run right over the Titans and help the, the Giants get a win. Uh, late afternoon action sees uh, NFC West battle the Seahawks and the 49ers uh, keep sleeping on the 49ers, even though they're three and 10 uh, sleep on them at your own peril. As I was talking about their stats on the last show that they're much more powerful than people probably give them credit for the eight and five Seahawks, three and a half point favorites at the three and 10 49ers. Yeah. The, the, the 49ers are kind of sneaky good at home. And that offense is top half of the league in every category. And, you know, and this feels like a down spot here for the, for the, for the Seahawks. So I'm looking for a major impact. I'm looking for a player who's going to be able to impact Saturday and Sunday football. And I think Bill Romanowski is going to have a big game. Robo. Um, He's going to do it for the Broncos and the 49ers in the same weekend and make NFL history. If anyone could do it, it'd probably be him. Uh, Matt Breida may return to action for the 49ers in their backfield. Doug Baldwin should return to action for the Seahawks. So a little bit of all hands on deck for an important game as the Seahawks try to 
keep their playoff hopes going. Uh, I, I'm actually looking at the, the that week 13 game a few weeks ago. The Seahawks destroyed the Niners 43 to 16. The, the Niners had three turnovers and Seattle didn't have any. That's at Seattle. I don't see that performance repeating at San Francisco. Seattle is just a different team on the road. San Francisco is a different team at home. Uh, and, and John DiFilippo will not be leading the offense uh, uh, on the field for San Francisco. Uh, Seattle will have a lot more struggles against the 49ers than they had in their previous game. So I will take San Fran as well. Uh, New England and Pittsburgh, you referenced this a little while ago that the Patriots just seem to have the Steelers number. Uh, they are at nine and four. They are two and a half point favorites on the road at the seven, five and one, finding ways to lose every week, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, you know, the temptation was there for me to take the Steelers, but I remembered back to the lesson that we learned last week. And when somebody has shown clear ownership of an organization or an organization has shown clear ownership over another, and that there's enough history behind it that you should go with it, you should go with it. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Patriots. I'm going to give the two and a half. And, and, and nobody embodies the Patriot way spirit more than a guy who plays quarterback and punts. So I'm looking at Tom Tupa to have a big game. Tom Tupa, shout out. Got to love it. Uh, you know, last year uh, it was pointed out, I think, on the PFF podcast again, that New England uh, found a way to knock off the Steelers, and they didn't even have as well-rounded of a wide receiver core as they have right now. With What Josh Gordon has done for them all year and, and added a, another level that you have to cover, Pittsburgh has trouble covering regular wide receiving cores. They're really going to have trouble trying to cover what Josh Gordon can stretch the field and do against them. Uh, and by the way, the scapegoating, once again, that what the Steelers seem to be best at is making excuses and scapegoating. I've read that they are uh, working out uh, who they put in Cameron Sutton uh, as their starting uh, possible starting cornerback in place of Mike Hilton, because it's all Mike Hilton's fault, obviously what's been going on. So uh, another person to, to blame everything on other than the actual coach. Uh, he's really good at that. Um, you always have to fear Pittsburgh playing up to their competition. They play down to everybody so much. Yeah. So you, you know, they're going to be up for it. You know, their best effort is going to be there, but in the end, they're just not as good at football as the, the Patriots are franchise wise. So I will agree with you and take new England. Uh, so do you want to shove in these last two uh, in the live portion here and then yeah, get we'll, we'll, we'll break we'll them down later. Philadelphia's 13 point dogs at the LA Rams. Eagles. Really? Okay. Uh, I got the Rams in that one. And Monday night is New Orleans is six and a half point favorites at uh, on the road at Carolina. Saints lock it up. Ooh. We'll definitely keep an eye on that because I'm taking the Panthers in all those points. A lot of points at home. All right. Now, Rams giving a lot of points uh, on the uh, at home, but of course that's uh, Nick Foles, the quarterback for the Eagles. Now, so you're going on the Foles train. You're you're going with with Nicky Boy. Yeah, I think he plays better, sort of coming in out of the bullpen. I think a lot of the pressure is off now. Not like what he started the season with, when I think everybody was sort of getting up for the Eagles. Now, now the now the Eagles are sort of like the afterthought. People are just they're not they're not that good. People can roll them up. I think Nick Foles is going to play a lot more loose. 
you know, and, and, and the Ram, the Rams have been kind of worrying me. You know, they're, they're, they're starting to show those like late season chinks in the armor again, you know, a team that's, that's maybe ascending too fast. Maybe we're seeing that from the chiefs even a little bit. We're starting to get to be late in the season. Maybe they're starting to get a little tight in the sphincters. I think that this is the cool pick it's to, to, to be down on the Eagles because they're down, they're out. Uh, now, now they get to wear their, their underdog label again. And uh, I, I think they get a little bit more creative on the offense. And I, th- I think we just go back to seeing that Nick Foles just completely airing it out down the field like he did in the, in the playoffs last year. I mean, they, they've got nothing left to play for. And air it out. Go deep. Use the running, use whatever running game you have left, whatever stable of guys you have left to soften up what's clearly a weak running defense for the Rams and just start chucking that thing deep. <laughs> so I think they can connect on a couple of long bombs. He seems to love Nelson Aguilar. Um, so I, I think that they, they, they get a couple of big connections and they keep it within the two touchdowns. No, there's no doubt the Rams have been trending down uh, the last few weeks. Even my little numbers uh, bear that out. Uh, they had not looked like uh, the same team, but the reason I'm taking them and giving a 13 is because finally here, after some real tough competition, specifically last week against Chicago, uh, here finally is a second. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Lou Ferrigno, he really struggled <laughs> last week. Here is a secondary that the Rams can exploit and look like the old Rams again and, and sort of make everybody believe that, hey, everything's good here. We're all good. We're all back. We're fine. The, the, the Eagles, speaking of teams that just keep losing pieces one at a time, and all the defensive injuries, all the uh, secondary injuries for the Eagles, uh, I think the Rams put up just a ton of yards and a ton of points through the air and, and just light the Eagles all the way up. So, so that's why I'm going with the Rams. Uh, and then the Monday nighter with the Saints and, and Carolina and Carolina and Cam Newton finding ways to lose almost on the same level as the Steelers. So you're going to take New Orleans, give them all, and that is your lock. Well, yeah, I mean, Kerry Collins is clearly hurt. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, Cam is clearly hurt. You're right. Uh, if he can stop the free fall, then – uh, they'll they'll give the Saints a game. I, I, I guess I'm going with the uh, divisional rival angle that the the Panthers are have got to be desperate as hell. They've got to play uh, their best game of the year, at least their, their most passionate game anyway. Uh, fighting for their playoff lives after having a playoff spot look like it was sewn up a few weeks ago. They're at home. They're they're playing the Saints. They're gonna give it all they got, um, and. Hopefully it gets through to Cam Newton that, hey, I got this guy, Christian McCaffrey, who's having just a stellar season uh, behind me here in the backfield, and I don't have to try to do it all. I I can find ways to get him the ball in space. I can throw short screens. Even if my arm is messed up, I can do that much. Uh, When I'm not handing it off to him, maybe I can run a little more. If if my arm is not a threat, maybe I can make my legs a threat. I just think he's going to find a way to do something to sort of control the game, control the clock, uh, and, and keep Carolina within shouting distance. And they probably grind it up enough to have like a lead at the half or something like that and lose the game in the second half because they are clearly the inferior team overall. Uh, but this is basically a touchdown spread, and I think uh, he's going to keep them within a score at the end of the game. 
Yeah, you know, where I really, where I really, uh, well, I guess where I disagree on this one is going to be in that porous Carolina secondary. You know, and Drew, Drew Brees hasn't been needed a lot this year, but this is the kind of game where he's probably looking the chops, wanting to get after a Carolina defense is really kind of giving up the booty in the back end. And then they still have all the threat of the running game. So this just feels like the better team to me is going to, is going to really kind of roll. I think they had their, I think they had their awakening and their letdown game against the Cowboys. And that was sort of the, Oh, all right. Now, now we got to Now we got to work for this and they're still fighting for that number one spot. It's right yep. there for them. It's right there. They just want to go out and get it. Cause I know they don't want to have to go on the road potentially to LA uh, for a potential rematch. So I, I think that the, the, the the Saints are just – they look more like the more professional football team to me right now. I think Carolina looks – they're in free fall, and New Orleans and Sean Payton, they seem like the kind of team that wouldn't mind putting the team down, right? Oh, I, don't sure. they, I don't think they want – I don't think they mind taking old Yeller out back. I don't think they have a problem with that at all. They, they, they're, they're, not the, they're not the team or the coach that's going to go easy on somebody that they know that they can put down. It's definitely be uh, something to watch. This is a bit of a style slash too. When you think when you talk about the run game, that Carolina's number two in the league in rushing offense this year, and most people would not guess it, but the Saints are actually number one in rush defense. So uh, this is a game that is that a little bit of what the, the opponents that they've been playing is that a little bit of they get so much of a lead that nobody has any time to run on them. They have to always be throwing or are they really that stout? So definitely something to watch for to see how they hold up against a, an offense. That's certainly going to be coming after them on the ground. Yeah. Sometimes I think it is that function of the, you're so much more superior in most of the games that you've been playing and you're up or you're in shootouts and you just have to go blow for the teams just abandon the run against them. Yeah, they have to. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to go if I looked up and find that probably a team like oh, the Rams are probably really good against the pass. But that's also a function of people know that they're terrible against the run. Well, the Rams are sort of in trouble because they're not very good against the pass either. You, you, of course, you know, I got the stats right here for all of that. Um, as bad as they are against the run, they're giving up 7.7 yards per throw as well through the air. So they, they got issues uh, on both ends. Now, is that, is that a number that's trending higher more of late? Absolutely. That's a great question. There are so many teams that are giving up uh, seven and a half, eight yards per throw this year, it, more so than I've ever seen. It absolutely has exploded when I look down this list of teams that are giving up that much. And the, and the, the elite defenses, the defenses that are giving up six and a half yards or less per throw, it's hardly any now. I believe it's either two or three. Uh, at, at the moment, it's three. It, it's the uh, the Ravens, the Bills, and the Bears now, after what they did last week. Made it, made it three. Before that, it was two. So, uh, yeah, the league is exploding offensive-wise, and that's exactly how they want it. So it does make it a little harder to judge what's uh, elite and what's not, but, you know, you just got to sort of hunker down and, and trust your eyes and, and rely on what you see in addition to what's on the paper. Yeah, and what I'd also be curious to know if that's a number that's trending down for the Rams, where, I mean, where they 
been better, and now they're getting worse on the back end. Um, I wouldn't be surprised because they're pretty much a they're, they're like a one man show, right? Everybody's all Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald because he has all the sacks. But if the Rams are giving it up on the ground and they're getting gassed through the air too, we'll, 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 okay. So Aaron Donald is clearly making a play. He's he's basically turning to if he's just turning into what Khalil Mack was with the Raiders which is everybody just stands around waiting for him to make the big play. The Rams are going to be in trouble. The uh, the Rams, to answer your question, um, after week seven, were ninth in the league in pass defense, and now they're 14th, and they were giving up 7.3 yards for throwing out or giving up 7.7. So it's not a huge discrepancy, but the answer is yes, they have gotten worse at that. Yeah, so – so that's something I think it's worth uh, keeping the eye on, especially because I'm predicting Nick Foles to go bombs away against them. Yeah, I, I want to see that. If it happens, you are absolutely on that. I I cannot possibly claim anything like that. I don't I don't see that happening at all. The Nick Foles success from last year seemed to come from this sort of surprise uh, RPO streak that he went on, that just run pass option over and over and over again, and uh, the Vikings for one team. Uh, just couldn't handle it. They couldn't figure it out. They couldn't stop it at all. And uh, I don't think he's good. He doesn't have that element of surprise. And if there's a, another trick up the sleeve of Doug Peterson, then I guess we'll find out. But I don't know how many tricks you can possibly pull out with Nick Foles. Yeah, all I remember is that Vikings and Patriots game, though. You know, the yeah. championship in the Super Bowl, where it was Nick Foles dropping 40-yard bombs on both of those teams pretty much whenever he wanted to. No, you're right. So, it, it makes a game I wasn't all that excited to watch more exciting now. Hey, and yeah, if you throw the ball deep, that means we might see a lot of penalty flags. Oh, goody, because that's what we need to see more of is more yellow flags on the field. I thought you'd like that. Yeah, you know, we we get to see get to see some really questionable DPI and uh, you know holding or illegal contact on a lot of third downs. Uh, in which the defender is just standing there, and basically the the target runs at him and breaks and makes contact. And like, what's the defender supposed to do? Open his hips and let the guy run by him without touching him? What? How oh, do you defend anymore in the NFL? Uh, supposed to do uh, the LeBron James and put his hands behind his back. I, I yeah, you, it's supposed to be the NBA now, where you'd stand there and take the charge. And if you do anything other than that, then it, it's on you. That's basically what it looks like out there now. Well, no. Did, did you see that last night where the the no, Lakers I, I did not. so upset about the Rockets getting all the calls that LeBron James decided that he was going to guard Chris Paul with his hands behind his back so he didn't get called fouls on him? Oh, damn! <laughs> and he was doing it as basically like a like a big f u to the refs. Oh, that's that's showing up the refs big time if you do that. No, I missed that completely. Yeah, because the because the Rockets were getting a lot of I mean, they they won the game. I mean. They they clearly deserve to win the game, but yeah, LeBron James at one point was so tired of all the ticky tack fouls going the Rockets' way, he ran up to Chris Paul and was guarding him with his hand behind his back, so <laughs> because he knew that if he put his hands out, he was going to get called for a foul. I, I love LeBron. Don't don't ever change LeBron. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Only he could get only he could do that. Only he could get away with doing that. Well, it's not like what 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 can they do? They can't call. You know, but they probably should have still called him for a foul. If Joe West was an NBA referee, 
he would have found a way to call LeBron James for a foul him out. with his face, and then he would have ejected him. He would he would have teed him up. For he would have called it for, for some like embarrassing the game rule or something. That's you know paragraph nine subsection three. <laughs> You know, some detrimental conduct to something or other else you get teed up for that. Hey, if Rasheed Wallace can get teed up for looking at an official. Stop looking at me. He's looking looking at me. me. You're looking at me. (laughs) All right, you're out of here. You keep looking at me. Get out. They threw him out. They threw him out for that. Yeah, I still remember his eyes get got bug out. Like, really? I'm getting thrown out for saying nothing and looking at you? Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that be you know some of those uh, NBA referee shows are are as bad or sometimes worse than the the NFL referee shows, and then of course the Major League umpire shows are probably the worst of all of them. Because in 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 baseball, you actually it's in the rules you cannot argue anything right. uh, that that's judgmental by the umpire, the moment you even say one word to argue with, then that's automatic ejection. Like, you have to take their judgment as complete law, and the the gavel bangs, and you can't even say boo. That's, that's right. really ridiculous. I mean, and you could, but how often, I mean, we talk about bad calls in baseball, but but baseball doesn't, the umps don't take the whole game over. They they try to sometimes they try to sometimes those home those home play umpires specifically when they think they're being shown up all of a sudden yeah. uh, pitches that are right down the middle are being called balls they really do try to take over yeah I mean and they can eject people and they can do that stuff but but I mean basketball and football the the refs can control the game I I understand you you know I mean the guy throws a pitch down the middle somebody hits it for a home run. The the rest can't throw a flag. Oh, oh wait, wait! <laughs> That's not a home run. <laughs> we get that in the other sports. You you can pretty much throw up anything you want. And the in ball. football, that flag can come out for anything at any time. And they that in move in any other sport now they are they are dictating outcomes more than an umpire, I think, in baseball can. Well, I'm just as down. I mean, I want the robot ump. I'm very progressive when it comes to things like that in baseball. You know, there's some things, I mean, we talk about this all the time, some things we're a bit more conservative on and, you know, get off my lawn, and then there's some things, and then, and then we'll turn right around and want the robot ump. We want to get the damn call right. That's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, today I turn on ML. First time I've turned on MLB Network in months. You know, I just thought, oh, you know, I'd catch a little – catch a little hot stove activity, see what's going on, see what they're talking about. Uh, they're talking a lot about your White Sox today. I was like, oh, okay, well, dead of winter. Why? It, because it's 24-hour baseball talk, and I oh. happened to catch what they were talking about the White Sox. And, you know, they're they're doing this segment about should the shift be outlawed. And I'm like, no. Oh. Okay, one, no. Hit the ball where they ain't. That That's right. Hit them where they ain't. That's it. You don't have to outlaw the shift or say that you can't have three guys on one side or other on the off infield. Or you, know, you could take all eight of your defenders and put them wherever the hell you want. I mean, honestly, you have a pitcher, you have a catcher, they can't move. All the other seven guys, 
if you want to have all seven of those guys clumped up right in, right at shortstop, you can do that. If you know that's where the other guy is going to hit the ball and it gives you the best chance to win. If you're a batter and you're standing up there and you see a shift, hit it the other way. Yes, they're begging you to do it. But if you do it a few times, they'll stop shifting you. Funny how that works. It's amazing. So a lot of guys' answer to the shift is, well, I'm just going to hit it over all of you. But this is why guys are hitting 205 to have 45 home runs. Yes, and, you know, Adam Dunn's of the world uh, that are taking over baseball right now, but what are they supposed to do? If they're bad at hitting, if they're bad at situational hitting and, and hitting it the other way, then really their only uh, outcome is to try to bulk up and hit it over the fence. Otherwise, they're out of baseball. So what are they supposed to do? And not everybody can adjust and, and hit it the other way. Not everyone's Tony Gwynn. It, 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 nope. Actually, most of them are not Tony Gwynn. So I understand that they can't do that. But, no, the solution to them not being able to do that and adjust is is not to ban the shift. Uh, I, I've read the, uh, in a couple of places uh, about the banning of the shift uh, this past uh, – in the offseason. It's, it's been sort of a, you know, keep the baseball conversation going, uh, uh, hot stove – uh, it's, it's been a, a thing that I've come across in a few different places, and I just shake my head because I'm like, this is so stupid. It's, it's just so stupid. If, if you can't beat the shift, if you can't hit it where, where they where they ain't, as you say, uh, then no, you should not have the rules changed to accommodate your shortcomings. Can you imagine if every sport were, were to do that? Yeah, I can't get the, the bowling ball down the lane. I can't get it to hook into the pocket. We need to bring the pins closer for me. All right, we we can't. That's sure. too far away, right there. We got, we have to change the rules to accommodate what I can't do. No, dumbass, right. get better. Bumper. I need bumpers. I need bumpers, and I need the pins closer, and, and I need the the ball to be a little wider so that I can get it down the lane and cover more of, of the pins. That, that's that. I need all of these these changes to the game to accommodate my shortcomings. No, no, that that's that's not good. That's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I can understand tweaks to the rules, you know, pace of play. I mean, look at football. They they, they, they moved the extra point back. That's created some drama, right? It, it I mean, you can do things like that. You know, I mean, when they looked at that and they were like, well, you know, why do we have this 19-yard extra point where it's basically like 98% of the – I mean, if you're going to get it 98% of the time, then just give a team seven for the touchdown. And then right. they figured out, well, hey, no, if we move it back and they figured out at what distance it becomes maybe like an 80% proposition. But it changes games, and that's kind of cool. So I don't have a problem with that. Or they bring in the two-point conversion, you know, they bring in the college rule. There's, you can tweak the rules of your sport in a way that makes sense. Making certain defensive alignments illegal, just, ugh. Yeah, what they got rid of the illegal defense in basketball. Yeah, I was just going there. Thank you for bringing that up. I was going to say that in both football and uh, basketball, they've come up with rules that alter the way that you can defend, but not in a way that takes away the way that you want to have these eleven guys defend, or the way that you want to have 
uh, the five guys on the court defend. They used to have it where you couldn't double team somebody uh, off the ball. That was uh, illegal defense. And now they got the the sort of zone defense is, is okay. You can sort of kind of double team a guy off the ball within your zone. You just can't sit there and defend the paint. Um, but that's still that in a way that's altering the, the way that you can configure, but it's not where you can't have uh, it's not where you, you get the offense that has the ball in a certain place and you cannot put defenders in the way of the ball for baseball. If you were to outlaw the shift, you're basically saying you can't get in the way of the ball. And if you're going to do that, then why well, have defenders at all? Uh, and well, in football, just, make all, just make it all home run derby at that point. Basically. Uh, and in football, well, see, all this, these. This, uh, so on this one, I'm more get off my lawn. Yeah, keep it the way it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Are you? But are you get off my lawn, or are you more progressive that you don't that you you're okay with the sort of newfangled shifting? And because that's a new thing that we didn't see shifting when we were kids, and, and we're now we're seeing it, and we're like, hey, that's 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 good. You're advancing okay. the game. You're you're figuring if you put that third baseman over here on the second base side that you're going to uh, pick off these ground balls in the hole that would be base hits, but you got a guy there. So that that's good. That's that's uh, outsmarting the game. Right. Okay, so maybe I guess maybe that does make me uh, put us in that position of being a little bit more progressive, but I think it makes me more conservative from the standpoint of it's completely allowed within the rules of the game. That you could have you could have had defensive shifts like this in the in the twenties for Babe Ruth. Now, if nobody thought of doing it, that doesn't mean that it would have been wrong if they did. Somebody wanted to play their shortstop, you know, behind the second base bag, and then put the second baseman in short right field. You could have done it. That's technically called the Ted Williams shift because that's where it originated. So it's been it's been going on at least since then. Well, it, well, that didn't. Ted Williams still hit four hundred, right? Yeah, because <laughs> he knew how to hit it the other way. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. It's like you can you can clearly identify real major league hitters now by the guys who don't get shifted. Because <laughs> if you shift them, they're going to go the other way on you. So you, right. you have to play them straight up. So, so like Mookie Betts or Christian Yelich or you know these guys who can spray to all fields and have power to all fields and can go the other way, they get played straight up, and they're three hundred hitters. Go figure. Yeah, but not everyone but can do put, that, and I understand six, that. You can put six defenders on one half of the field. And Joey Gallo is still going to hit 198. <laughs> With 40 home runs. Right. He's going to hit 40, 45 bombs. He's going to drive in 90 or 100 runs. He's going to strike out 220 times. And all, all those other outs are going to be line, you know, one hot line drives to short right field. He gets thrown out at first base. Yeah. But, you know, that that it is what it is. All those guys that – can't do that. It seems like the vast majority of baseball now can't really adjust to those shifts and hit it the other way. And only a real handful of special guys can. But I really don't like the solution of that being to, to ban the shift. Like, like I said, in, in the other two sports, whatever restrictions you have on defense in football and basketball, the fundamental right to put your 
five guys in basketball somewhere in front of the ba- in front of the basketball t- so that you don't just have a lane that you allow them to go and and do whatever and score. Um, and in football, of course, you're 11 guys. You can put them however you want. You can put all of them on the line of scrimmage. If they beat you over the top, then so be it. Or you can drop them all back. Whatever you want to do, uh, it, that's just fundamental to me. You, you cannot allow uh, a team to be able to go up there and hit the ball somewhere and you're not allowed to have a guy defending that area. That that's just wrong. You, you, you've got seven fielding positions. You got seven guys whose job it is to get the other guy out, right? You have right. seven defensive players. You can put them wherever you think they're going to do the best. If you want to line those seven guys up on the warning track, go right ahead. That eighth guy, the catcher, is restricted. He has to stay there behind the plate. Yeah. Those other seven sure guys, you should can't move. But those other seven, you put them wherever you want. And the other seven have to be within the foul lines. Other than that, yeah, you should be able to put them wherever you want. Okay. I, I, it's weird because it's sort of like we're, you know, we're defending the the progressive position, but we're, I think we're still standing by, like, that's baseball. Don't change the game. That's really a fundamental change of the game. I'm, I'm uh, repeating myself, but I'm really harping on I, I, don't, I can't stand any change that would say that you're not allowed to defend the ball or the goal from whatever area. You are not you can't defend that. Yeah, it's like if, you know, if the NFL tomorrow decided we're going to outlaw zone defense. So you have to play every receiver man-to-man, uh, and you're, in, you're not allowed to have two guys in an area – uh, where one receiver is, that would just be that would be so fundamentally wrong, right? Or you you have to rush four guys on every play, right? You know, or you you cannot have a defender outside the hash marks. <laughs> that area is forbidden. <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I just seeing that conversation just drives me mad because so much of this thing with the ship too, with these ball players, especially guys who maybe didn't come up with it, who now have to face it. You just you see it's just an ego thing. I mean, so much situational baseball is, is not being being played, where it's like if you're a guy, like if it's the ninth inning and you're down by two runs, nobody's on base, nobody's out, and you're up, and they're shifting you, your only job is to get on base. You can't win the game. A solo homer does nothing. Your job is to get on base, become, you know, bring up the tying run, do something. Don't just, just don't just crack one into the shift and, and be allowed out. And, and so many of these guys, they'll, they'll play right into that shift. Some of them is probably an ego thing. I agree with you. Uh, but I, I'm down here uh, in Memphis watching the AAA records. I watch 30 minor league baseball games a year, minimum, sometimes more. Some of these guys can't. Some of these guys try like hell to hit it the other way or to hit it where the defender is not and cannot do it because they're bad at it. They try. They're, they're instructed to. You see this, the, the managers giving a signal from the dugout uh, or from the third base uh, box because in the minor leagues, a lot of times the manager is also the third base coach, which is really interesting. Uh, but you see them give the signal, and you can tell what the signal is. If the signal is bunted. Lay it down, put it where the defenders are. They can't do it. They they try and they look so terrible trying to do it. And sometimes they even hurt themselves 
trying to do it because that's how bad they are at it. They wind up getting hit by the ball or something, and they're and because they're offering at it as a bunt, it's still a strike even if it hits them. Uh, they, they're just bad. Some of them, some of them is it is ego and they refuse to try, but some of them try and they're just, they, just, they just suck at it. Wow, I'm not sure how. Yeah, kings of non sequitur here. You never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, I had my I had my Stephen A. Smith Memorial Show. You know. <laughs> You got your Christmas present. You got uh, you got some real uh, big time podcasters uh, taking the same angles that you're taking. So you, you're you're as legit as it gets, man. I was stunned to hear that. <laughs> I don't. I, I knew I you'd love that. I didn't do any research on that. I, I strictly just pulled that right out of the right out of the memory banks, and that this is what this reminds me of. And I swear that guy was basically using my language almost verbatim. I knew you'd love it when I, when you heard that. I, I got home. I had to cut that up immediately. I'm like, I have to get this on the show tonight. And you gave the credit. You gave proper credit to where it came from, so it's fair use. Um, I have no idea how much right I have to just snatch yeah. their podcast and reproduce and some of the sound, but I did it anyway. And if they want to come sue me yeah. for the hundreds and hundreds of pennies that I have on me, then so be it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I, I don't think it's bad it's because you did give proper credit to it. We are not, you know, we're not profiting from it. We're not selling it. So that is, that, that, that was, it was, and it was, and it was well used. It wasn't uh, shining any, you weren't throwing any shade at those guys or making them, making them look bad. You were just pointing out the similarities in, in, in our viewpoints. Have all the respect in the world for Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson of pro football focus. They do, Great work. I listen to their show every single week to get ready for, uh, to make my picks and to get ready for our show, and I have nothing but respect for him. That guy is completely ready for Eric Berry to go on a Bob Sanders-like run here. Thankfully, it didn't start last night. Well, it did for <laughs> six minutes. He did have a big uh, stop in the hole there. He did have a big run stop. I'm like, uh-oh, he, he, he's back. Eric Berry, there he is. Yeah, and he was he clearly Ron Parker is the guy that they were going after. As well they should, because he sucks. I believe I've highlighted on this very show <laughs> how truly awful Ron Parker is. Now, next week, if, if I'm listening to the PFL podcast and they start talking about how terrible Ron Parker is, I'm going to start thinking there may be something going on here. Well, I used their stats last year to, to oh. tell you. <laughs> how bad Ron Parker was that he was their like worst ranked like defensive back in football. And there's a <laughs> circumstance where it matches up with what you see on the field because when you watch, you can tell how terrible Ron Parker is. He was he was giving up the booty last night <laughs> a lot. You can yeah. clearly see that the Chargers were going after him. He let Antonio Gates get so wide open on a play. I mean, Antonio oh. Gates, ninety five years old. Gates was putting him in the ground, man. He was making some moves and just spinning him around like a like a dreidel. But hey, back to the dreidel again. Oh no. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm I'm ready to call it a night. I got an early morning start tomorrow. Um, apparently, I'm, I'm apparently I'm getting a ride to work tomorrow. It's coming at six forty-five, so I got to be up early and ready to go. There we go. Yeah, that was a nice fun show again, and. Uh, Got our picks ready for week 15. And, of course, reminder, next week, 
No recap show, no official recap show in the middle of the week, but uh, Thursday night, next Thursday, the twenty, uh, yeah, the twentieth, Thursday, December twentieth, yeah. uh, will be a, a sort of a mega football show, a little preview, sort of like what we're going to be doing next year, where we'll, we'll sort of recap a little bit of Week fifteen and then get right into the picks for Week sixteen and, and have it all wrapped up in one big ball, big football party, two-hour live show, whatever after show we have after that will be whatever we decide. But be ready for that Thursday. Um, I got it down for 9 Central at the moment, but if you need to move it to 10, of course, you'll let me know. Thursday, and I'll be uh, yeah, Thursday has definitely got to be a 10 o'clock show for me. Oh, okay. At Thursdays, I don't get home until 9.15. <laughs> oh, all righty. I got home today, sat down at the at my desk here, made my picks, ate my dinner, came up with all of my Stephen A. Smith memorial <laughs> players that I put in my notes. I didn't even and I didn't even get to use them all. I had I had the other Kurt Warner I didn't get to talk about. Oh, I was going to talk about him. You know, I, I running I, back shout out. Yeah, that was a good running back shout out there. I didn't know. I don't know if you quite noticed that I called Paragamo Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, I, I got that. <laughs> okay. See, so they, even there, so even somebody who's listening to the show is like, oh, man, this guy's an idiot. He called him Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah. No, I, I knew I knew you were going with them. I, that was definitely supposed to be Ferragamo, the quarterback for the Rams, uh, who famously got shut out by the Bears in the uh, 85 title game. game. <laughs> I've always called him Lou Ferrigno because it's easier to remember. No, I, I definitely remember Luke Ferrigno was not in the NFL, so I, I'm, I'm definitely remembering that that was Ferragamo. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be back if you liked uh, all that shenanigans, and we'll be back Thursday with, with double the size of the shenanigans, a two-hour live show, so we'll have even more for you. I really hope I really hope this wasn't somebody's first experience with our show. <laughs> They're probably thinking, man, this guy's an idiot. Does he, you know, but that was that was the joke, folks. If they've been listening for six years, then they have six years of shows where they think both of us are idiots. So that just oh, fit yeah. right in. That's a good point. All right. He is Dre. Uh, nope. He is Jay. See, I'm still an idiot. I am Dre. I, I remember the first, I think the first show we did, I did that, and, and I never even caught it until, like, after it was over. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening. And remember that we will be back Thursday night with our week 15 recap slash week 16 in the NFL. And we will talk to you then. Enjoy your football for this weekend.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.